We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome in to Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever and whenever you're listening, it's probably beer o'clock, and we've got a lot of good stuff coming up for you right here on the podcast starting right now. Welcome back into Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris, and we are back out in the wild on location Look today. Look at us. Look at us. A year passed on our New Year's resolution of being on location more, but hey, it's happened twice in three weeks, which is fun. Hey, why not? And there's still more to come, too. I know. We've already been uh, putting some stuff in the in the works in the planning phase, so uh, hopefully you'll be seeing us out more often the next uh, couple of months at the very least, if not the rest of the year, because we're trying to be more proactive about it. And we're being more active on our Instagram page. Yes, I'm working diligently at that. You I've got a bunch of stuff already saved up to, I don't know if I will, it's Saturday as we're recording this. I might float some things out through the week. I'm not quite sure how I'll do it. So basically, we're using the story mode. Story mode. Yeah. I'm a gamer, sorry. We're using the story more than we're using just the pictures. Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to kind of fit into both cuz some most a lot of people use stories, but some people do scroll, and so I kind of want to double dip a little bit. So if you do both, my apologies. Uh, Instagram.com/beersandus is where you can find us there. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Omni, radio.com, 1080thefan.com. And wherever you find us, please uh, sub, rate, review, uh, whichever method is in your your program of use. It helps us out. And uh, you can find favor. us on uh, social media so, uh, by ourselves. I'm at MikeLynch27 on Twitter, and Patrick is at PDiddy085 on Instagram. We are at Function, which is a pop-up bar mm-hmm. on 23rd. Yeah, like 23rd and Lovejoy. Right next to uh, Blue Star and across the street from Salt and Straw yep. in the hub of the 23rd uh, district here. And we are here today because they are, as part of Oregon Beer Month. Oregon Craft Beer Month, Craft I believe. Craft Beer yeah. Month. They are doing a little couple-of-week event here with highlighting beers all from outside of the city. So today, for example, on tap, they've got a Boneyard IPA, a Solera Pesh. Actually, I don't know what that is. Pesh is so a, like sour. a sour. Yeah, yeah. Solera is a sweet brewery. In That's the place Dale. that you've talked about with the like red barn, the mm-hmm. famous painting, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got a Yahats Wild Ale. They've got uh, Sticky Hands. That's Block 15. They've got a Hazy from Common Block. I've never heard of them before. And they've got the Brood Abides Milk Style from Pelican, which we've had on the podcast before. And then they've got some wine as well. Um, I believe they also have, yeah, it's on the back of the menu. They also have cans and bottles available from Double Mountain, Bowie, Wild Ride, Freem, Heater Allen, Fort George, Ale Apothecary, and Cold Fire, and Sun River, and Ale Song as all places that are not currently on tap. And I believe, if I remember correctly, they, they are sw- they're rotating the taps through mm-hmm. with all the breweries that are involved in this outside of the city of Portland. Yeah, I was here the other night. Um, I was here the other night because they did their media thing, and I jumped in and caught it, and Sticky Hands wasn't on. It was a different beer. Gosh, what was it? Because I had a Boneyard, and then I swapped to the other one. I don't remember, but yeah, they have been rotating. I imagine as the kegs kick, 
something else will come back on. Uh, so we are here to start talking about the beginning of Oregon Craft Beer Month, and uh, we will be joined in our interview segment today by Tony Roberts. He's the co-executive director of the Oregon Brewers Guild. He is uh, here with us right now, so he'll be coming to sit down in about 15 minutes or so. And uh, we'll talk to him about all sorts of things. We'll talk to him about Zwickel. We'll talk to him about they're doing a collab, uh, statewide collaboration that Breakside's involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also just going to talk about Oregon Craft Beer Month, which is starting now. Yeah. It is, well, starting. Right now. Yeah, now, February 1st, uh, which has been moved up. So I want to ask him about that as yeah, well. I'm interested. Yeah, it should be a cool one. This is going to be what, what I was. So I run into to Tony kind of frequently because, you know, Ben Edmonds does a lot of stuff with Brewers Guild as well. Plus, they hold a lot of their meetings at Slabtown. And this this will be kind of a really fun. I'm really intrigued by this as like an industry person too, as like what we see in craft beer going forward. And you know, Tony and 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 that crew they keep their their finger on the pulse. And this is yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm interested to hear what he has to say. I don't know a whole lot what he's going to say, so a lot of this will be kind of new information for me as well. Yeah, so we uh, we'll have that coming up in a little bit. But uh, before we get into the actual meaty goodness of the segment part of this. Uh, I mean, full, again, full disclosure, we're doing this on a Saturday. We recorded the last podcast two days ago, so there wasn't a lot of a week in beer for us. Right. Mine was very similar to my week last week where I've got the stuff in the fridge. I have a brew to bides, uh, mm-hmm. from Pelican in the fridge, which I've had a couple of. I just finished my Crux Gimme Mo IPAs. I bought a six-pack of cans of that. It's quite good, uh, and I love their new cans. They just feel so nice, and they <laughs> look so nice. And I think I have one Jubilee left in there, too, for my box of jubile oil that i got a couple of weeks ago but uh, i have not done anything specific in the last couple of days outside of just having some beer at home yeah i uh since we signed off on thursday i have been at breakside and then i went to bed and then i woke up and then i went to breakside and then i got off and then I went to bed, mm. and now I'm here. Yeah, uh, but I but I did stop. You know, I did stop at the local watering holes throughout those last couple of days. And well, let's see what did as I you have? are want to do as as I as I frequently do. Um, I had a newer or at least one that I hadn't had a Sun River IPA. Keep Oregon Green. Okay. Um, very nice. Does not taste seven percent. Um, kind of a little bit like this boneyard that you're that you're drinking right now. A little bit of a throwback, but also some kind of modern twists on it. I am drinking the Alien IPA. It was quite delicious, and then I dove back into a Bodhisattva can, which I hadn't had in a while, Ooh. and a Freem IPA can that I hadn't had in a while either. There you um, go. Those beers suck. I know they're terrible, right? <laughs> uh, it was nice. I, I drink Freem IPA fairly fairly uh frequently but uh i hadn't had a bodies off in a while which is funny because i absolutely love that beer i think you haven't had it in a while because well it was one of your favorite beers growing up yeah that's what we talked about right in the year in review like Mm -hmm. hey let's appreciate some of the breweries Mm -hmm. that we neglect because we're used to them being here like we talked about freem Mm -hmm. people would kill for freem beer and we're just like yeah i mean whenever it's at the grocery store it's there all the time and then you know me i find something that i like and i just keep going keep going keep going cuddle puddle yeah i've actually jumped off the cuddle puddle train good yeah good well the kegs are almost gone at this batch so i'm just just like, yeah, I'm over that. It's all about bazooka face, duh. <laughs> and didn't you maybe have a little bit to do with bazooka face? Uh, not this batch. The uh, previous batch, I had I had some fun with. Yeah, a little, a little, yeah. a little handsy in yeah, there. I had a little fun with. But these are these are uh, OBA batches, which is also in February. Another thing I'm interested uh, to see how that. Oh gets yeah, we went there last well. year, mm-hmm. and uh, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, we also got a little note from Chris Martin, who was the one who gave mm-hmm. us the Bourbon Barrel Age box that we yep. opened in the What's in the Box episode last week. Which a bunch of you guys have reached out and said you really enjoyed it. And Mike and I were kind of like, we don't know how this is going to go, but let's just do it. And I'm, I'm glad you guys enjoyed I, it. I will say that 
There's been a couple of those in the last few weeks where we're like, this is fun, but I'm not sure how it's going to translate. And you guys have been like, oh, it's been great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, we're appreciative of that. Yeah, for thank sure. you very much. But he said that he left us in the box a, a color-coded sheet that told us what the colors on the top of mm. those 50-50 brewing stouts were. And um, so we are at function now. The, the box is currently in my house. Oh, so nice. When I go home, I will uh, go look in the box Look in the box, and I will see what is uh, in there, if that is the case. I also saw there was a sticker on the side, so maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah, they're, they're aged in different barrels. So um, the, the, they were not initials. They yeah. were Well, they were initials, but they were initials of the barrel, not the person who bottled it. I believe so, yeah. So EC is Elijah Craig 12-year, AB is Apple Brandy, and RC is Rye Cuvée. So I'm, I'm really excited just to see which is which. So now, now that we know that, we should probably do an episode based around the different ones. Oh, that could be fun. Because we were like, oh, we'll drink some on the episode, and we'll drink some in person, like just at our own, in our own time. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to put some of these in the fridge. And now I'm like, okay, fine, I'll bring them into the podcast. We should probably do that uh, on a day that I don't have to go to work. Yeah. I really want that apple brandy. I'm yeah, a little I'm obsessed with apple brandy right now in, in like the idea of aging beers and apple brandy barrels. Yeah, I saw I had one recently that was aged in, in brandy barrels and I thought it was nice. It was yeah. really, really delightful. I think it gives like some nice kind of sweet character to it and some flavor character. It's like tastes like apples without there actually being apples in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's it, kind of cool. It kind of makes it like when you get a barrel aged out that's like a bourbon barrel. Um, I mean, it's it's syrupy, it's molassesy, it's thick, mm-hmm. it's rich, and the apple brandy, the one that I had, it kind of just makes it pop more. You know, I mean, it's alcoholic. You taste the alcohol because it's mm-hmm. strong, but uh, it makes it pop. It's just like a, it's a unique, different flavor. Yeah. And uh, you said the other ones are rye one, so that's interesting too. Yeah. So yeah. Let's get all about it side by side. Yeah. Let's Why get not? after it. Um, okay, so that was our week in beer. On the podcast today, we don't really have a a singular plan for what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Um, but uh, I do want to talk about what's coming up in uh, Oregon Craft Beer Month. Uh, you've got a list that you have of things, mm-hmm. events that are happening. And then I also want to talk a little bit about uh, the purpose of this event that we're at now at Function, which is highlighting outside of Portland breweries in the city of Portland. Yeah. Because I think that's interesting and it's cool because for us, when we're in this world of doing this podcast and we're trying uh, all these beers and we're trying to be as open-minded and, and learn as much as we can about all these breweries... There's not really a thought that goes into like, oh, this one's from Portland, this one's from Ben, this one's from Eugene. It's like, oh, it's an Oregon beer, right? right? And I will frequently go out of my way to try beers not from the city of Portland. But I wonder how many craft beer drinkers who are maybe not as uh, elitisty snobs as we have become, mm-hmm. uh, who are just more casual drinkers, are like, oh, it's a Portland brewery, I'll have it. But they don't even try to branch out and try the other stuff that's out there. And an event like this, where all you're getting is outside of the city limits beer, I think that'd be a really good way to introduce these breweries, even though some of them are huge breweries, mm-hmm. Boneyard as an example, to people who haven't really explored outside the city that much. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point on that. I mean, I, we've we've talked about this in the past, like why there are some breweries in neighborhoods that survive without having kind of quality backing their name, and it's because people are willing to put blinders on, and they're willing to just kind of say, that's my neighborhood brew pub, and I go there. And they kind of like, <clears throat> if I'm not drinking that, I drink... Bud Light or whatever, you know, so it's nice. I like these kind of showcases. And Function itself has been a pretty cool spot for the last couple of years. It's like they do a ton of beer events throughout the year, whether it's like I've been here for a Barrelick pop-up. I've been here for a Wayfinder pop-up. I mean, hell, Breakside's even done a thing here. We're just right down the road from here. So it's kind of become a cool spot that allows kind of the beer community to showcase 
if you live on this side of the river, you don't, and a brewery's on the other side of the river, you kind of have an option to check it out without having to go over there, although I find that lazy. Uh, but I still We've think... We've talked about that in our Lewitt episode. Like, yeah. hey, it's not, a real, yeah. it's not a real wall. Yeah. You can go over the metaphorical wall of the Columbia River. Exactly. You can do exactly. It. And so this place has been pretty cool. They have a really awesome patio out back. Last year, I went to a marketing kind of symposium sort of thing about breweries and marketing, and I was blown away by, by the woman that, that does frame stuff. And so I'll kind of always remember this place for that just because it was such a great presentation on her behalf that uh, this place is cool. I mean, it's got kind of funky hours. You've got to kind of know what you're getting into. Um, but what it is now, I think it's really rad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure when I walked in it said, come in from open to close. That's <laughs> basically what it said. It was like, <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Um, they opened at 2 o'clock today for those who are, are curious. Yeah, um, but, yeah, so I just think it, I've got some friends who moved here recently and – their first experience with good beer here was very simple. Um, they went to Ex Novo. That was their first yeah. place. And they loved it, right? Yeah. Understandable. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't go anywhere else. They're like, oh, Ex Novo's great, right? <laughs> That's the only spot we go to now. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if you move from a place that doesn't have a lot of breweries and you find a good one, you're like, oh, I don't need to go look. Right. right this is the best brewery, right? And then they moved and they lived down by Gigantic and they went to Gigantic and it's like, okay, cool. I mean, you've gone to two Portland breweries and I'm like, they had a party, like a, almost like their own, like a housewarming party, like an mm-hmm. apartment warming party. And I went and I, and I curated a six pack of cans of really, really good beers that I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get this, Von Ebert, I'm going to get this from Little Beast, I'm going to get this. And I just made six and I brought it in and they, were, they seemed so unenthused. <laughs> and I was like, trust me, these beers are really good. Yeah. Trust me. And they're like, yeah, but I mean, you know, we go to Ex Novo. <laughs> so, like, I think that for a lot of people when they first move here, if you're not from a place that has a lot of craft beer, which, I mean, it's getting better, but if yeah. you're being honest, as most of the country, uh, you don't spread your wings and fly that often, right? right? If you go to a supermarket and you get yourself beer, you might expand a little bit based on what's on the shelf. But if you know you like a certain thing, you're going to get the certain thing. So I think that's why these kind of events are cool for you know, if you just move here, you're not going down to Eugene unless yeah. you're going to college anytime soon. And maybe you go to a coast town that doesn't have a brewery, or maybe you don't get out to Bend for a year because mm-hmm. it's not on your on your radar. Um, I think it's kind of cool that it's like, oh, I'm here and I can get these beers. I haven't heard of any of them. I don't know what these breweries are, but I'll try them. And then you're like, oh, I like this Boneyard beer. Yeah, What's Boneyard? Let's look it up. It's in Bend. Oh, let's go to Bend. Are there other breweries there? And then bam, bam, bam. Thank exactly. you, man. Yeah. yeah, that's why I tend to live the like bottle shop taproom life. Because you see stuff and you're like, I don't even know what this brewery is. Or, whoa, I didn't see this new Sun River beer. What's that? And then you try things. And it's so funny because despite working for a brewery and a very successful brewery, um, and I do enjoy drinking their beer, and I drink a lot of Breakside beer, but it is still so fun for me to find new breweries, to taste new stuff. Like, I'd never seen this Boneyard, this Alien IPA. I'd never seen it before, and you're like... By the way, we're saying it like that not because we're dumb, but because it's Ale hyphen Ian. Yeah, so the <laughs> Alien IPA yeah. uh, from Boneyard, I'd never seen that before, so you're like, well, yeah, okay, yeah, I got to have one of those. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's just my point is that this just helps those kind of people if they come into a place like this expecting to get, find themselves a beer that they're used to. Oh, well, okay, I'll still try it. Yeah, like and I'm drinking a, the door. I'm drinking a sticky hands right now, which is kind of silly for being Boring. 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> um, but I hadn't had one in a while, and I was like, oh, you know what? I will jump on that. Plus, I had the alien from Boneyard. I'll probably have another one of those. 
Yeah, I'm probably going to go Sticky Hands second just because I haven't we'll had one in a while teams. either. And uh, the other one that I was really interested in was, of course, the Brewed Abides, but I have that at home. So I don't need to have <laughs> that here because I've got a couple of bottles in my fridge right now. Yeah, I tried the, the Yacht Hots, the Yacht Hots Wild Ale. Uh, it's very funky. It was a little too funky for me. Um, I imagine the Pesh from Solera is quite tart. Yeah. Um, Part of me is interested in trying that. But yeah. I'm say. actually really interested in this hazy they have on tap because I've never heard of Common Block. Yeah, does it, well, I'm going to look it up. Okay. Uh, you said, though, moving on from that to this Oregon Craft Beer Month, you said that uh, you had a list of some of the events that are happening this oh, month. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, so they've got this place kind of cool decorated, and there's, there's some stuff all over, and I was looking, and they have it. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. I see it's kind of like a, it's almost like a sales pitch for the month, just all mm-hmm. over the wall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's a bunch of stuff. Like today uh, in Redmond is Porter Mania at Wild Ride Brewing Company. Um, today is also the sixth anniversary of Stormbreaker, um, there's a chance Mike and I head up there a little bit later. Uh, and then there's just some other stuff. There's uh, the, oh yeah, the first ever IPA Fest is out at McMinimins in Beaverton, the Cedar Hills pub. There, It's like, I think, an IPA from each one of their brewing locations. That's cool. And you taste them all. And I don't know if there's like a vote or a competition or something, but there's supposed to be a bunch of different IPAs if on. You, if you have not seen that one yet, that is a brand new building as uh, very unusual for McMinimins who tends to go into the old historic mm-hmm. buildings it is brand spanking new I haven't been inside it yet uh, but I drive by it somewhat frequently because I live out that way and uh, it is gorgeous looking mm. when is that happening uh, that is February 8th all right so next Saturday next Saturday um, and then let's see here and then on that day as well there's an 80 ski party at Solera Brewing in Parkdale Zwickle Mania in Portland is on the 15th uh, that day is also Migration's 10-year anniversary. That day is also Festival of the Dark Arts in Fort George mm. and Level Run for Beer, which is, sounds like a like half marathon or some type of running event at Level. That sounds cool. And on that same day is Threshold Brewing's first anniversary as well. So the 15th is a huge day. And then there's some other stuff. There's Hillsdale Brew Fest on the 22nd, Cask Fest at Away Days on the 22nd, Heater Allen Beer Dinner in McMinnville, uh yeah, coin toss fourth anniversary on February 29th. So it looks like they've done everything they can to kind of just throw as much at the month as possible. It which sounds is, great. Which is great from an as an industry person. It is great. Like Zwickle, Zwickle Mania is such a beast. It's <laughs> such a beast. It's coming um, up in a couple weeks. Yeah, it brings everyone out of the woodworks and everyone gets excited and they get on buses and they bounce from brewery to brewery and you get tours behind the scenes and it's and it's really cool. It's really fun. Uh, but what's great for us in the industry, and I think what's awesome about moving craft beer on a selfish level, craft beer month to February, is business tends to be a little slow in February. We're kind of in January, February, and early March are the slow season. You know, resolutions, and it's just kind of people get back to the grind. You're done with holidays and so forth. You spend so much time out in December and November that you've got to stay home yeah, to you save kind some of, money. Yeah, you <laughs> kind of become a little homebody, go out less, eat better, drink less, blah, 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 blah. People are already starting to give up on that, by the way. <laughs> uh, and so the, like, Zwickle Mania for us as a business day, and I'm sure a lot of breweries can back this, it's like an average good summer Friday. And to have that in February is awesome. It's just a little jolt. It reminds you what business is like. And then in like three weeks, you're going to have a 55, 60 degree Saturday with the sun out and everybody's going to be out wanting to drink margaritas and Mai Tais and it's over from there. Yeah, well, I think it is cool that it also affords the opportunity to breweries to have really cool events to get more people in the door because... Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I mean, some oh, places. I went to that cool place on Zwickelmania. Let's go there. They have a patio. Exactly. It's it's one of those things where, you know, if you're a really popular brewery and you you know you get people to come in year round, then it's good to have an event, but it's not necessary. Uh, but for some of the smaller places that maybe are new or are maybe change, they've changed their brewers or they've changed their beer. And they want you to experience that, to have that event. Yep. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I'll go to Random Brewery I've been to once because they're having a cool event. Oh, oh, the beer's way better than last time. Yeah. I'll come back. So it's cool. Yeah, why not? Well, it is happening this month, the month of February. So uh, I'm, I'm assuming that list is online somewhere. So, oh, yeah, uh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, I think you can go to OregonCraftBeer.com or something like org. that. .org. Uh, .org. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because the they, the they are nonprofit. Yeah, OregonCraftBeer.org. Org, and you can see all the stuff that's happening this month. We might have a in-March reaction podcast. We had a reaction podcast at the end of last year's uh, Oregon Beer Month because you, you, you did so many events. Mm-hmm. And you were like, oh, I did this, I did this, I did this. Mm-hmm. So we might do that again at the end of February if we go to multiple events. Yeah, but, and there, uh, there's, there's still Portland Craft Beer Week. That still takes place in the summer, and that has a lot of those kind of seminars and things like that that right. I get nerded out on and love to go to. Um, so, I mean, hey. Celebrate more beer more often. Let's do it. Let's get our guest in here, shall we? Tony Roberts, co-executive director of the Oregon Brewers Guild, is next here on Beers on Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. All right, it is time for the interview portion of Beers on Us today. We are joined by Tony Roberts, who is the co-executive director of the Oregon Brewers Guild and invited us out here today. Thank you for the invite. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so we got a lot of stuff to ask you, but I want to start with, as someone who doesn't know a ton about what the Oregon Brewers Guild does, and I'm sure some of our listeners are the same way, could you give us like a, a layman's term brief explanation of what exactly the guild does and then what you do within the guild? Sure. The, the one-liner is that we promote and protect Oregon craft beer. And we do that primarily through uh, helping to market Oregon beer, uh, government affairs, so lobbying in, in the legislature, uh, through education. Um, so we do educational events for our brewers uh, several times a year. Um, and we also do, and this would kind of fall under the marketing portion, we put on some festivals and beer events like this one in Oregon Craft Beer Month. So that in, kind of in the nutshell is what we do. Um, I am one of two executive directors. Uh, I'm based here in Portland, and then Christina LaRue is based in Bend. Um, so I, I cover uh, marketing, government affairs, and operations, and so kind of some of the boring stuff. And then Christina does events, the exciting thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, membership and education. And th- that's your background, right? You're a marketing guy, aren't you? Yeah, I, I worked in newspapers uh, back outside of Philadelphia and here in town for about 10 or 12 years. Okay. And then I've been doing marketing uh, for various, you know, not-for-profits and non-profits for about 10 years now. So you uh, you said you guys work with uh, Oregon Craft Beer Month, mm-hmm. and it's moved to February this year. Yeah. What was the thought process behind that? And uh, you know, what, what is the benefit and maybe what's some of the negatives about moving it to? So Christina and I both came on board almost exactly a year ago. And I think when we came on, we didn't, we wanted to reinvigorate Oregon Craft Beer Month. It had maybe gotten a, a little bit stale, but we didn't have any intention of moving it until we started talking to brewers. And their thinking was that the vast majority of them was like, we're busy in July. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. <laughs> said, yeah. <laughs> it's not, we sell a lot of beer in July. Our tap rooms are busy in July. We produce beer in July. Mm-hmm. We already have several big events we take part in in July. Like, yeah. They weren't crazy about us asking them to do more things in July. First quarter, eh, 
if they felt a little bit differently about that. That's kind of what I was saying because it's like, like Zwickle, why do we do Zwickle? Let's do it on a nice day so it's not pouring rain. It's like, or we could do a summer Saturday in February. Right. That sounds exactly. great. My bartenders will be very happy. Yeah, I mean, that, that is exactly, you know, the rationale. And with fe- we looked at the first quarter, and January is bad for a lot of reasons with Dryuary and, and those other things. Um, March... March I've never heard of Dryuary. I'm just trying oh, to yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> well, I don't know what that says about me, but I've never heard of that. It says you're a reasonable and rational, ah, good, rational good, person. Good. Yeah. Um, the last time I had a dry month, I think I was like a sophomore <laughs> right. in high school. No, I was going to say not college. <laughs> <laughs> <Certainly>. <laughs> I went to Washington State, my friend. We're professionals. That's right. So, you know, March had spring break, so that wasn't great. In February, it just had just the right amount of having enough events that we didn't have to, to reinvent everything, but not so many that we were stepping on people's toes. Right. Yeah. So we already had Zwicklemania, Portland on the 15th, statewide on the 22nd. Which is kind of, we'll get to that in a second, but kind of like, the big showcase of the of the of the year, maybe it really is, yeah. yeah because it, people participate everywhere, right? Like it, it is the only time of the year those two dates when you've got breweries uh, in you know Boardman and Medford and Portland and ben, you know breweries everywhere participating. So we had that to kind of build around. Um, you know, KLCC does their brew fest in Eugene. Uh, Fort George does Festival of the Dark Arts, along with a number of other things. Um, Stormbreaker does. Brewstillery, McMenamins has a couple of festivals. Wild Ride has their Porter Mania. So it, it was just like, oh, okay. There's just enough in just enough different places around the state th- that we can build around this if we create kind of a kickoff event, which is what we're doing here at Function. Have you gone to breweries or breweries come to you to help plan events for Craft Beer Month? Like, is that part of your role as, as you know, working in marketing, like this will be a really cool event that you could do to attract people to your brewery? Or is it more they plan it and you just kind of help market it itself and push it out there? It's a lot more of the latter. I think as we, you know, I, I, I think what we're looking at for 2020 is making this sort of the foundational piece. Like, okay, here's the basics. We don't ever want to do less than this. And then what can we, can we add a few more new wrinkles every year to get where we want to? Because we would really like to do kind of a public-facing facing lecture series. Uh, or not lecture, but like a panel talk or, you know, something. I like to call them symposiums. We, we, yeah, a they symposium. sound fancy. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all about fancy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we would like to add some things. But thus far, we've done... Uh, the Function PDX event, and we do the two Zwicklemania events. Most of the other events have been our brewers, you know, already existing events or events they've come up with, and we work together to market them, you know, through relationships with Travel Oregon or Travel Portland and Visit Bend and some agencies like that. So, uh, let's let's dive right into Zwickle. I want to get into that because it's like it's like the greatest beer day in the world. It is that people in beer hate right <laughs> right uh but so if if you're listening to this podcast and you're not familiar with zwickle mania is done every as tony was alluding to it's done every single year in february they we have s- an episode from last year's wickle we do where we s- did the oligarch series out at uh, the milwaukee oh, that's side. right we did oh, do that 10 yeah. variants or yeah. whatever it was yeah. yeah that was the day we released that oh, yeah my wife drove there. that day <laughs> oh it was in the it was in the old tap room too oh i'm all nostalgic now nice. i miss that place <laughs> kind of not really the new tap room is way nicer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, and so Zwickelmania, yeah, there's two different weekends, one in one kind of centered around Portland area and then one centered around the Bend area. And then what does the rest of the state do? They kind of, you know, they do, do 
pick one of the weekends or something? So statewide. So almost, oh, there's the statewide. Yeah, so it's so like almost three everyone. No, it's it's two. So okay. Port, Greater Portland is the 15th. Okay. Um, it's the first weekend. It's President's Day weekend. But we we give the outliers the option. You know, so if you're in the burbs, you can pick. Oh, you yeah. know, so like the Clackamas breweries, because they all sort of go in lock, lockstep, they, mm-hmm. they've decided to do Portland, so they all do Portland together. Um, but Bend, Hood River, the coast, Medford, everybody else is, is the 22nd. Gotcha. And what they do is they kind of open the door, allow you to come in, and they'll people give tours, free samples, talk about beer. A lot of breweries like to do release parties. I yeah. mean, I was looking at the event list. Migration's doing their 10-year anniversary on Zwickel Mania. Yeah. That place is going to be nuts. Ten, <laughs> ten collab beers. Oh, my oh, God. God. In fact, they just wrapped up their final collab with Breakside, I believe. Oh, holla. Um, and they've got great notion. They've got all sorts of collabs, and they're releasing all ten of them that day. So yeah, the place is going to be. Bonkers. I got to do Zwickle, and then I'm I might squeeze out to the Gleason spot. <laughs> it, is, it is my last stop. Oh, my it is your last, last stop oh, on okay. Zwickle, and mm-hmm. I will I will have been. You know, I drive around and take photos. This year, I might you know cart some media folks around. So I will be DD. I will be surrounded by you know. People drinking all those day. people, <laughs> Pe- people who are having more fun. What than do you me. mean, those people? <laughs> yeah, and so it's a really fun event because a lot of people get. I mean, it's so funny. Like I take this for granted, especially. I mean, I try not to, but at times I do. Working in Milwaukee for all for those two years that I was there and being around the brewery, you take it for granted. But people get so jazzed about beer tours, mm-hmm. about brewery tours. They love it, and I'm at the point where I'm like, "You've seen one, you've seen them all." <laughs> Until I went to Sierra Nevada in North Carolina, then I was like, "Okay, this is a brewery." Right. Um, but uh, but it makes you feel cool though. It makes yeah, you feel like you're like everyone, an insider. Everyone you know? feels in it, and I know us at Breakside. It's an all hands on deck. Our brewers love giving tours mm-hmm. on those days. Love interacting with people, and there's no dumb questions. And sometimes <laughs> you can stump a brewer. And it's mm-hmm. it's kind of a fun little collection of people. Is there anything? Are we expecting anything more this year than just bigger turnout as always? No, I think what we've really tried to do is coordinate things a little more. So uh, you know, when you go to different breweries, a lot of these, a lot of breweries have opened in the last five years. Obviously, it's slowed down in the last year, but but a lot of our breweries are still relatively new. God, I didn't realize migration was ten years old. Yeah, right. I mean, I say the same thing about us too. But <laughs> right. anyway, continue. So you have you have a lot of breweries who just don't you know. They haven't quite mastered Zwicklemania, so mm-hmm. we took some of our breweries who have really sort of done it well and put together a little how-to guide. Oh, so nice. what we're, we're hoping for is a little bit more of, I don't want to say a consistent experience, because every brewery has, has little fun wrinkles that make it that make the Zwicklemania experience what it is at that brewery. But helping everybody to, like, you know, flow is often a problem with mm-hmm. a new brewery at Zwicklemania, right? Like, they don't understand especially based on location or if there's a Bruvana bus stop there. They don't know what might happen at, like, 1140 when that first yep. bus comes through, and it's chaos, you know? <laughs> so trying to, to tamp down that a little bit, uh, trying to help folks, like, understand ways to, to make the flow a little bit better. Um, you know, and we've encouraged brewers. We're like, hey, it's, it's Oregon Craft Beer Month in February. We really want to give this a push, like... You know, if you have a release and you want to save it till Zwicklemania and that sort of thing, like it would be a great day to really like showcase your beer, showcase new beers. Um, so, you know, we haven't tinkered with the format too much. We're just trying to to keep all the fun and maybe tamp down the chaos just a little bit. Well, some of the chaos is probably fun too, though, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, those yeah. five hours fly. I mean, you can, you know, Patrick. Oh knows. yeah, yeah. And just thinking about it, gosh, yeah. Some of the smaller breweries. It's so funny. I will be Ben and I will be doing the Slab Towns Wicklemania this year, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, Slab Town is kind of like a small new brewery. 
in the sense of there's not a whole lot of room back right. there. So it's kind of like you just walk in and you're like, oh, you so guys are fine. Here's the brewery. <laughs> um, any questions? Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of want to go drink outside the yeah. bar. Yeah. No, but I think that's great. I think I think it is nice to have. Yeah. Let each brewery do their Zwickelmania, but let the experience for the most part be kind of similar in each. You know yeah. what you're getting into. Right. And you mentioned uh, the migration has 10 collaboration beers, but you, you guys have a collaboration beer coming out as well, right? We do. This is the second year we've done a collaboration beer for Zwickelmania. So 30 breweries from across the state collaborated. Um, it was a pretty interesting process. Like, Christina kind of set everyone up and got everyone on the same page because, like, you're not going to have 30 breweries. It, it is absolutely impossible to get even 10 brewers in the same brew house at the same time on the same day. Yeah. So you're definitely not going to get 30. <laughs> but in terms of, of setting things up so that there were face-to-face contacts, through, like she set up a big WebEx meeting for everybody. Uh, there were surveys. You know, we were talking to different partners who uh, donated, in, you know, raw materials um, to kind of give it a true collaboration feel. And then it was brewed um, at the Shoots PDX Pub. Oh, okay. Um, was it Double Mountain last year? Is that was where it was brewed last yep. year? Okay. Yep. Um, so it was brewed at Double... The first one was brewed at Double Mountain, and it was definitely... <laughs> I, I loved the, the end result, the beer, but it, it, was a, it was an idea that came up a little later in the process. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and it felt kind of like, you know... So you have all these cases of beer, and it's like, oh, this is so great. How are we going to get this out of Double Mountain and to 32 breweries. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh right. Hey, Yaha's isn't that close. Isn't <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> so this year we... I call know, Baker City. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so this year we ironed out some of those wrinkles. We came up um, with a concept. We actually, it's called State of Excitement, and it's going to be called State of Excitement and the year from here on in. So this year it's State of Excitement 2020. It's a West Coast IPA. State of Excitement is actually like a long forgotten tourism slogan from, I think, the pre-Tom McCall days of Oregon. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just, just this really fun sort of mid-century thing that, that they, you know, uh, would put in like National Geographic magazine and that sort of thing. Uh, and the uh, folks over at Breakside um, were kind enough to uh, create a, la- a logo and label for us, which we really love. You'll see those posters up everywhere. Um, so it, it's JL... Mo, I'm trying to remember our designer's name just to give him a little bit of credit. Oh, James Mob. Yes, yeah. James Mob. Okay, so he's uh, my boy. Yeah, so he did a great job. Um, everything's donated. Like every the canning is donated by Craft Canning. The yeast is donated by Imperial Yeast. Um, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I have not had it yet. Christina had a pour off the Zwickle yesterday and said it was tasting fantastic. We're just kind of waiting for it to finish settling, and we're going to can it on Friday the seventh. Cans. Uh, cans, indeed. Cans. Brewer's Choice. Uh, they, they got the option, cans or bottles, what style, what yeast, hop bill, the whole deal. Hey, so. cans are popular now, man. Cans are popular. And doing it to shoots, they can do both. Uh, they can, although not here. They would oh. have to send it back to Ben. So oh, Craft okay. Canning is actually bringing oh. a setup in at 5 well, a.m. let's bring them into the fold, <laughs> too. Right. And they have volunteered both the cans and the labor. Oh, so they're going to they're gonna be over here in the Pearl at 5 a.m., Sure, they're super happy about doing. That. How come nobody wants to can at six p.m.? You know what I mean? Right. Like, like let's sleep in, grab some lunch, then maybe, maybe have a couple beers. Machine, first. Maybe have a beer. Or so that's and, probably why. Actually, and work yeah. till ten or eleven at night. Well, this whole concept of working early just baffles I don't, me. I don't know if you've seen how you would get a canning machine in and out of Deschutes, but it's through the front door. Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> so, oh okay. Then I guess that makes through sense. the restaurant. Okay. Through I the thought pub, there was a little like side uh, driveway there that you could bring stuff in the back. So you can bring there's uh yeah the side entrance is that Davis or Everett whatever it is you, there is a like a garage door there but yeah. I guess it's there's no there's not 
to get from there to where we need to get, there's maybe not a ramp or not a ramp that's mm. big enough. So the only way for for Kraft to get in there is they roll up part of the front door and they're going to roll it right through, right through the pub. And so what what's the style of the beer this year? Is IPA West again? Coast West Coast, Coast, Coast IPA? IPA yeah. yeah. Tony Roberts joining us, co-executive director, Oregon Brewers Guild. Uh, we were talking about this in our segment for the podcast, but so this event is all non-Portland breweries, right? At this event. And I'm curious behind some of the thinking behind that because I was given an example of some friends who had moved here recently, mm-hmm. and the first place they went was Ex Novo, and they came from a place that didn't have a lot of breweries. So they were like, oh, Ex Novo, and that's all they went. Every time <laughs> I would bring up breweries, they're like, yeah, let's go to Ex Novo. I was like, <laughs> I like Ex Novo, sure, but they didn't really have an idea of like, oh, we can go explore. Mm-hmm. Was that some of the mindset behind it of like people who live in the city don't get a chance to go to these places and try these beers, or is it more just... Let's show love to a different region. It, it was a little bit of both. It, it was really, you know, it's some of these beers. We had, we had John, uh, the brewer and owner at Common Block in Medford up here yesterday. And, like, Common Block doesn't distribute outside of, like, Medford and Ashland. I feel bad. I'd never even heard of that. Yeah, neither had I. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, so <laughs> they, they, um, they've been working hard. They got their brew house up and online last year. But prior to that, they had to contract brew for a while. You know, it just mm-hmm. took a while to get the brew house up and running. So... You know, there's a lot of breweries that have a really hard time getting FaceTime in front of a, totally. a bigger market segment, and our Portland brewers don't necessarily have that problem. Um, so it was kind of like, hey, could we carve out the state into five or six regions and pick at least a few breweries from each region and highlight them in draft, in package beer, Um you know, so that's what we did. And we have at least one or two. Some regions are represented a little better than others simply because, you know, it's pretty easy to find four breweries from Central Oregon. Right. <laughs> oh, where, where do I look? You know, the Gorge. Um, you know, and, and, and we just kind of wanted to give those folks a chance to, to, you know, be highlighted here in Portland and give Portland folks a chance to get beer they can't normally get. I mean, they, mm. you can't get Common Block. You can get Ale Apothecary, but I've never seen... Aside from the brewery, four bottles of ale apothecary for sale in one place. Yeah, um, you know, I feel like Wild Ale Fest. Yeah. is like the only time you've ever <laughs> right, seen exactly. more than more than two available. Yeah. So being able to, to give those brewers a chance to, to sell beer, but also to you know in some cases come here, um, and it's also even the breweries you can get like Freem Scent, you know, a Jester King collaboration that you know they're they're mostly only selling in their tap room they sent a 2019 cuvee that they mostly only sell in their tap room so it's it's kind of a two-way street giving breweries exposure and then giving portlanders a chance to get some really cool stuff that they you know is hard to find and i do think in the future we would love to send portland beer that's maybe self-distributed and maybe maybe doesn't have widespread distribution to some other yeah. parts of the state, almost a trade. So your Berlicks and your Sasquatches, um, who, which maybe don't sell as much beer, don't sell any beer in, in Central Oregon or Southern Oregon. He said it, not me. So, Berlick kids, if you're listening, you can drink because of Tony. I didn't say it. I, I do. <laughs> I, the only bit of bad news I have today, guys, is I wore my Berlick shirt yesterday. Uh, uh, I didn't have time to do laundry this morning. I, you know, I, I well, Crosby Hot Farm that. sweater is fine. Okay, okay. Yeah, Patrick okay. wears his Crosby hat all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. it's great. And you plus, what's that? Oh, your allegory. I got my hat allegory, too. Hat allegory hat on will be yeah. here on Wednesday. I got my <laughs> allegory hat on today. Uh, Crosby. On a side note, they make some awesome swag. The, I swear they have the best swag. I have three Crosby hats, a sweatshirt. Yeah, I have. I only have two hats. Yeah, I need. I need T-shirts. I love that zip-up hoodie mm-hmm. on you. I'm going to steal it from you. Yeah. Uh, my boss has a really nice. It's almost like a 
Columbia slash North Face type thing mm-hmm. that just up in the top is smaller than your crest, just this tiny Crosby hot form. You're like, that is amazing. And you know who, who designed this? Oh, no, please tell me. Ben from Berlick. Oh. <laughs> See, it's all. It's all I'm pretty sure. Don't, they were, they yeah. were telling me, Mike, the other day, I ran into him here the other day. They said they were going to start a drinking game of oh. every every time we say Berlick on the, on the podcast, you have to drink. Wow. What's this going to be? <laughs> Okay. To be fair, Mike plays things fairly even. Not me. No, I am, no. I am a biased mofo, true I would true. say you're going to be drinking twice an episode from Patrick alone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe add a little extra from me there. Uh, one more question for you, Tony. And Absolutely. you mentioned it, too, uh, in one of your answers, and I had, I had already had it written down. So last year was tough for breweries. We had a lot of closures. We yeah. had some big breweries that had closed. And um, it seems to have slowed down, at least in, in terms of what I've seen that's been newsworthy, quote-unquote. I haven't seen as much as many articles about places closing, but I guess it's a two-part question. One, what do you guys do to try to help those breweries that may be struggling? And then B, why do you think it happened all so much in that one year, and maybe why is it slowing down now? So I guess I'll start with B. Um, (laughs) I don't – it was incredibly concentrated, wasn't it? And not just one year. Like It felt like like two two time frames. Like boom, boom. Um, There's a couple things. I think we feel it worse – because of how mature our market is, right? Like, if you look at a state that's now kind of hot, like a Pennsylvania, which now has a bunch of breweries, like, they didn't have a bunch of breweries even 10 years ago. They sure didn't have a bunch in, like, 1988, right? right? Like, this, the Oregon market is so far ahead of, of the vast majority of other markets that, like, we're feeling the growing pains associated with a maturing industry before others do. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're saying kind of everybody else is doomed to this fate at some point well because nothing can just keep growing infinitely there is a plateau you know there was a great article i think jeff allworth wrote it and it was something to the effect of he quoted like bureau of labor stats where it's like 50 percent or some obnoxious number of small businesses fail within five years how many breweries failed within five years that opened in portland from i don't know like 1983 to 2013 like like roots yeah not many. And that's it. I mean, yeah. you know. Yeah, everybody survived. <laughs> right. So it's natural that now that we've backfilled the space with all these new, you know, that we've, we've satisfied a lot of the demand, that you'll see some of that. The other thing is, like, we're, beer, the, you know, the demand for beer is still high, but it's, it's leveling off a little. It's not growing, like you just said, exponentially. But the number of breweries continue to grow. Yeah. So, like, the pie is growing, and, I mean, everybody uses this analogy, so I apologize, but, like, the pie is suddenly growing more slowly, but the pieces of, of pie continue to get divvied up into more and, and, and more um, over the last few years, and it just, I think it just kind of hit, I guess last year is just was when it kind of hit, you know, here and in some other spots. Do you think, do you think uh, at this point, like, would you, I know it's tough to say because, like, as you said, to protect and promote Oregon craft beer, is it, do you find it dangerous to open a brewery right now? So, like, if, like, I know, I know a lot of breweries open, like, like, take Barbie out at, 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 uh, at level. Mm-hmm. Like, he comes from a pedigree and he's got good people with him to open a brewery. That makes sense. But if you're, you know, if you're Joe and John in your garage and you decide you want to open a brewery, would you advise them against that? Would you advise them for it? Or would you give them very specific, like, tips, like, heads up, this is what you need to be prepared for? And how for. much help do you provide to that kind of person, too? You know, I think what I, what I would say to them is, like, you need to have things that you maybe didn't need to have 10 years ago. It felt like 10 years ago you could open a brewery and kind of know what you were doing. Mm. 
and then figure it out. You okay. know, so if your business plan wasn't squeaky clean, if your beer wasn't perfect, you know, you could you could evolve over time like a lot of businesses do. The margin for error is, 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 if not completely gone, greatly diminished. Like, you can't come in with, with, a, with a business, a half-baked business plan. Right. You can't come in, like, trying to figure out your brew system and, and, you know, pouring batches down the drain or trying to give, even worse, trying to give customers bad batches of beer. Like, it, that is, you cannot do that. So, like, yeah, you can open a new brewery. But, like, make sure you have a great business plan. Uh, sure doesn't hurt to have a really great location, whether it's someplace where there's not an existing brewery, kind of like Assembly did. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's nobody for two miles. Like, we're going to have an, this. In, in Portland, that counts as, like, a brewery desert, right? It really does. There's not a brewery <laughs> within two miles in It really direction. does, yeah. Um, so you, you just you need some combination of those things and preferably some capital. Mm-hmm. Certainly doesn't hurt to get Certainly you through that first year or two. Um yeah, if you have, I don't know, two out of those three or four things I just said, you could you could maybe do it. Well, because well, I was going to throw this out there. Somebody lives in Beaverton, and uh, the closest breweries to us are Ancestry and Twelveton, and the new Ex Novo. Like, there's plenty of space. You can come <laughs> open a brewery. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> did you tell Great Notion because they're doing it? I don't know. If you <laughs> I didn't know that. No. Yeah. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, they're third of their. Four total Fourth. spots. Yeah, right. Third. You yeah. know, because they got the spot in Seattle. Going, yeah, they're opening a spot in Beaverton. Where? Because it's probably not near my neighborhood because there's a restaurant that's been open for three years, and it's a perfect <laughs> spot, and it's on a lake, and it's near my house, and I want it to be a brewery. That's what I want. It's near Nike, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's near Nike. Murray, maybe? Yeah. So close-ish, but not really. Okay. Um, well, I, I do want to ask you this, and, and then we'll, we'll get out of here. I want to ask you about kind of one of, the, one of the topics you pointed to on the breweries opening up. I have been notorious. I'm a little more, I don't know, honest, harsh reality sometimes that... Do you find that the consumer, the average beer consumer, their demands for quality are raising? And the average Joe that just buys whatever at a grocery store are starting to diminish? Because I would argue 90 to maybe even 100% of the breweries that have closed in the last two years had quality concerns. Mm -hmm. I think that in... And this is maybe this maybe this speaks to why Portland is feeling the pinch earlier. I think the average Portland consumer expects more. I don't know if it's the same nationwide. Otherwise, people wouldn't be drinking, you know, White Claw. Right. But uh, should have seen the face he made with that guy. Sorry, it's like I have to spit the word out. Um, yeah, I think in Portland and Bend and Hood River, I think in a lot of Oregon markets, the consumer demands better beer. I think that a lot of consumers even have. You know, you know they have an idea of what off flavors are, right? And it's not like they can sit here and say like, well, "This is DMS or whatever," you know. Yeah. But it's like, God, this thing tastes a little bit like a rolling rock. I wonder why. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh well, you know. And and yeah, I think like, Portland does anybody have a hungering desire to go to see a movie right now? What's <laughs> a popcorn? popcorn. <laughs> right. So I yeah, I think that that the Portland consumer is just. It, it, expects more and they should like I think yeah. that's great I think that ultimately drives the industry to, to a good place you know yeah. it's like mm, we can't we can't sell a beer like this and you know we shouldn't so I yeah I, I do think that the average consumer here is, is better I mean are they better in Columbus Ohio I don't know but they're in Ohio well you mentioned <laughs> it 1988 right there's way more years of experience here now <laughs> right. than some of those other places West oh. Coast best coast all right, let's take a break. Uh, you want to stick around for Beer of the Week coming up next? Uh, sure, if you guys don't mind. Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'd love to have you. Great, uh, nice. That's next here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris and Tony Roberts. Thank you.
Beer of the Week time here on Beers and Us with Mike Lynch and Patrick Harris. And uh, we've got ourselves quite an interesting beer in front of us. Whoa, 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 whoa. And, uh, I think the beer in front of us is totally fine. You are the one that's scared. I am scared. There you scared go. Of peaches? There we go. I'm scared of sours. <laughs> oh, this is... I'm getting better at sours, this is but I'm beginner still sour. This is, this is This is... I smelled it in my, my, my teeth. Puckered up. <laughs> uh, Tony Roberts joining us again, by the way. Were you the one who chose this beer? Uh, and Patrick chose No, I did. I, I, I chose a different one. I went one. to the bathroom and we had a beer chosen when I came back. Yes, so. Mike and I chose one, and then I walked up and Christina was like, ah. <laughs> So I was like, okay, good enough, <laughs> and grabbed a different one. So, so the beer we have today is Cold Fire's, I'm going to say, I assume this is Fetter. Fodor. Fodor. Fodor on Pesh, farmhouse style ale aged on peaches. So a fooder is this totally cool thing. Um, when I get old and gray, I really want... <laughs> oh, it's the it's the piece of equipment, right? Yeah, I really want to... Uh, I own some property on the Olympic Peninsula in the Olympic National Forest, kind of right there. Like, my, my, my parents own it. It's undeveloped. It's a small lot of land, but it kind of sits up on a hill. And I so desperately want to build a hobbit house <laughs> in it, you know, like an underground insulated with a bunch of rooms and stuff, and then grow a bunch of fruit, a bunch of chronic... And have fooders and make sour beer and watch sports and make music sounds, and just retire I mean, out there. That sounds glorious. like a nice life. So a fooder, it's like a giant wood fermenter. And a lot of places like, like Degard is notorious for this. A lot of like the old traditional ways to do wild ales is this beer will never touch stainless steel sort of thing until it gets to like if you keg it off or something like that. But it goes from barrels into the fooder, excuse me, the reverse. And yeah, it's just kind of cool. It's Delic- an old traditional way. Delicate peach tones quickly brighten with a little help from one of our mixed cultures. Flavors of soft, ripe fruit with a mild funk and refreshing acidity that's sure to please those who love wild ales. Uh, this is the second time Cold Fire has been featured on the podcast. Uh, I brought a beer in from them many moons ago. I want to say like well, way back in the first 20 episodes as one of our beers of the week. So this is the second time they've been uh, featured out of Eugene. And uh, there's actual like chunks of peaches in the beer. Like there's not, I shouldn't say chunks. There's there's little residue of peaches in here, which is pretty neat. And what does that mean, Tony? That it's made with real peaches. Mm. Awesome. That's I'm, good. I'm going to call the... <laughs> real uh, ingredients are the, important. They are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call the description spot on. I was going to say delicate. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, I think that the funk is, is, is not super pronounced. It's sort of just enough to, to keep it interesting. I like it. I find, I find the Brett strain quite silky. Um, a delicate, I think, as you yeah. were saying, is a great term. It's there, but it's blended in. It doesn't necessarily need to be prominent, but it is, is a feature focal point. Um, I think this is really cool. I, I think, do too, actually. I think Surprisingly this is, so. Yeah, see? we see. Exactly. We, what we haven't done, Mike, is we have not given you like a rare barrel. If we give you a rare barrel, you might die. Well, <laughs> so I, I talked about this a while ago. I went down to the guard. My wife brought me there, not knowing it was all sours, and uh, or mostly sours. It's and like the first time I ever went to Cascade. I was like, "I'll have your IPA," and everybody looked at me like I was weird. <laughs> well, it was a, it was a birth it was a birthday surprise. She she brought me down to Pacific City's Pelican, and then we drove up to Cannon Beach, is where we were staying, mm-hmm. and we stopped at the guard, and we stopped at the Pelican, and then we stopped at North Coast or Public Coast when we got to Cannon Beach, and um, we we pulled up to the guard, and I was like. Oh, boo. <laughs> what have you done? And I went in, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to have an open mind. I've been doing the podcast. I've been trying more beers. And I freaking loved them all. Yeah, like, right. universally, the ones that I had, I loved. 
And this one smells really sour, but it does not taste really sour. And I think the mild funk on the label where it says mildly funky, yeah, it's mostly just a, a tasty kind of sweet peach-flavored beer. I like it. I, I actually would, like it a lot. I, I would like. I don't know, Tony, if you feel this way too, but I would like to see a lot more sours in this direction. The problem is, is I feel like the average consumer wants that strip the lacquer off your teeth kind of sour. Like a kettle sour? Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, just something that just wants to just punch you in your jowls. Which is frustrating to me because I love, if you look at the direction that I think Cascade has gone the last couple of years, um, with really, like, really, really tricking the flavors out, like, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot more nuance, I think. Because I think that, yeah, some sour beers, it's just like, okay, you went to great lengths to use these different sorts of fruits or whatever's mm-hmm. in this beer, but, like, I don't taste them. Yeah. All I taste is probably what you're associating, Mike, is right. that, that sour, you know, like OD on lactobacillus or whatever. Like I'm having a warhead. <laughs> yeah. High acidity. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas, as I think a sour like this, that it's like, hey, this is a, a there's peaches in this beer. Mm-hmm. I want to taste a little peach. I want to taste a little cherry or whatever's in the beer. And, and I think that a more mild sour like this, like, really lets the fruit shine. I think it's great. Is this the kind of style of beer that you think, I'm just having this thought now, that that could break into that white claw territory of the hard seltzer where it's fruity but it's not too funky it's not too sour or is it too strange of an idea that people will always be a little bit nervous about it and i don't know why people drink white claw <laughs> <laughs> i i I, <laughs> I actually think it's the reverse of that i think white claw has broken into this person drinker really mm-hmm. so it's a I negative do. i do because this is heavier yeah that's yeah. true so the white claw drinker is like 100% just Ten calories. It's this, good for me. Well, I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that. I think it's low flavor profile. I think it's. I think it's lazy drinking. Mm-hmm. It's. It's drinking to get drunk. And I would say that as beer drinkers, as beer drinkers, I mean, obviously we get drunk when we drink beer. But I mean, I've been clamoring. If someone can make, if someone can make an IPA that tastes like Pallet Jack, <laughs> that is zero point zero percent ABV. I will not only buy it, I will invest in that brewery, and I will drink that S all day, every day. The thing is, is I think when... When Heineken's making that beer, you don't want it. I'm not interested <laughs> in that. No, no, I'm it not It does not taste like Palachuk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 think, I think a lot of that kind of stuff, I think seltzer drinkers are lazy drinkers because they want to get drunk. And I think some of those people that drink alcohol that want to get drunk... There's something about sours that lend to them, and I think it's the sweetness, it's the candy-esque, it's the fruit-forward. Um, like, look at the black market. You can trade a fruit-forward sour ale, and the tartar it is, the more you can get for it. And that's what people go gaga for. Well, when I was in college drinking to get drunk, we had four locos, so oh, I didn't yeah. have to worry about <laughs> white claws, no laws. So did, so did we until a bunch of kids at one of our neighboring schools killed themselves off of it, so they don't do I that I remember anymore. that. Well, it wasn't just there. There were multiple deaths with yeah. that, with that but drink, I, but, but uh, that's what we chose, not white claw. <laughs> but I am curious, Tony. We ask people this all the time, um, you know, as we're talking about, like, seltzers and things like that and these sour beers. Where do you see... What, what do you see in 2020 in terms of trends? We've seen hazy IPAs really big over the last couple of years. 2019 was a big breakthrough for loggers, for You're the consumer. You're the crispy boy. The crispy boys, as we like to laugh about. You know, that brewers always wanted to make them. They always drank them. But I thought, I feel in 2019, the consumer really dove towards. What do you see 2020, 21, or even going forward as the big thing? I, I, 
I, I guess I wanted to say Pilsners, but you're right. That was kind of 2019, wasn't it? I don't. And, I don't think it's slowing down. Yeah. You can have so, a continuation. Yeah, yeah, I think it can be because hazies were a solid two and a half, three years. Right. I think what'll be interesting to see is will will Pilsner start to evolve, right? Because IPA lived this life of like this is an IPA. Mm-hmm. It's called Bridgeport or whatever, right? Yeah. That was 25 years ago. It's the truth, right? And now, I, now an IPA is Pallet Jack or whatever, or it's a hazy IPA or whatever you want to call. It. Will Pilsners live that, start to live that sort of life? Like, folks will start to perfect Pilsner. So now, will, you know, will there be a... Now we got to screw it up. <laughs> what was yeah, like, the thing we laugh about? What is the thing we laugh about? We've been working for 200 years to make IPAs clear again. Let's make it hazy. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, think of like, have you ever had my Antonia from Dogfish Head? It's yeah, like a yeah, ridiculously yeah. hoppy Pilsner, yeah, yeah. right? It's a Pilsner that tastes arguably as much or more like some IPAs than a Pilsner okay. does. And d- over over the next two years, do we start to see Pilsners, um, you know, go in all these different directions? I don't think we're there yet because I don't think I don't think we've reached uh, peak American Pilsner or whatever yeah. we want to call it. Um, but man, I think we've got some breweries in town, it, not just in town, but in Oregon, they're just dialing it in. Well, Patrick's prediction is that the West Coast IPA is going to come back. As we've gone away from the bitterness, we're going to go back towards the bitterness. It's kind of already happening, don't you yeah, think? I think? Well, it's, it's kind of living up to that. But I think yeah. also the, the Boneyard one that we had, it's kind of a mix. It's like a little bit of a bitter West Coast IPA, but a little bit more of a kind of multi-forward, new-age IPA. I wonder if we'll see more of mixes of that, yeah, too. Like a little juicy, a little bitter, a little, little juicy, a little, little bit of everything. Yeah. I mean, that's how, the West, that's how I feel the West Coast IPA grew up, right? I mean, no one... I don't know what a West Coast IPA was in the late 90s, but it wasn't I don't what know if it, it existed. Right, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't what it was about. I mean, it's really, I mean, it, can we say it's like a post-Russian River thing? Like, did they? I think I think that's you know, fair. Yeah. I think that's fair. So, you know, the, in and of itself, the West Coast IPA almost feels like a little bit of, a, of an evolution, you know. So I, I do, I would agree with you, though. I think we're going to see more of that. But yeah, maybe we do see a, a juicy West Coast IPA. I, maybe we'll have a name for it. I don't know. Just don't say the word juicy. Just say new new age, right? Juicy, juicy to me is like the orange juice pulpy hazy IPA. Like, but I mean, <laughs> it doesn't. It, juicy clearly not hazy. It's not. I mean, they don't have God, to be. Stop. <laughs> if you've listened That's to the it. podcast, which I know you have before, you know how we feel. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with West Coast IPA and Pilsner. I okay. think those are those are safe bets, but could something come out of the woodwork? I don't know. I like the concept of the Pilsner that you were talking about. Yeah, like I don't think we are there in terms of mastering the quote American Pilsner, but I, that is interesting to see what can go with it because there's things out there. You know, one of my favorite beers of last year was uh, uh, Sean at Von Ebert's uh, Agostini. I thought that Pilsner was have awesome. It. Okay. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay. It is an Italian style, whatever the hell Dry that hopped. means. Dry yeah, yeah. Pilsner, right? Yeah, Italian, and the yeah. hop character on it is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I had a can of Freem Pilsner, just their house Pilsner the other day, and it's so hoppy. We had to kill half a keg of Breakside Pilsner last night at work, and we put it on. Everybody was trying. <laughs> Everybody, because we don't carry it that often down there, and we put it on, and everyone's got, you know, little tasters, and we're smelling it. And me and one of my servers, we both smell the same time. We just looked at it, and we're like, oh, my God, that's it. That's the smell, <laughs> you know, and I think so. I'm inter- I'm. I haven't thought about it. I'm interested in that concept of taking pilsners once we get it to where it is, where it can go, because I truly believe that if you bring some Germans over here and you throw a frame pilsner in their face, they're going to be like, "What is this trash?" I, 
they probably. Yeah. But man, I love it. I love it too. And I, you know, I would even argue. I know a lot of people think of Heater Allen as, as being a more traditional pilsner, but like if you if you taste it next to a, a true German pilsner, like Heater Allen's got some really nice, nice bitterness on the back end. Maybe it's just my palate, but I I love it. That, I, I love my well, pilsner. That with heater, just a that little heater bit Allen pils is climbing my charts. Oh, it's one of the one of delicious. not one of the best pilsners in town, but one of my favorite beers. Well, absolutely. absolutely. Whenever Patrick brings in. A classic German beer alongside the Americanized version of it. It is so different. It's so it's different. So different. Well, it also it traveled. It could, you know, if it's not. <sighs> but it, that's true. But I still feel like. When Do you, you want to teach a class on oxidation? <laughs> Here's this beer. <laughs> <laughs> but when you still taste it, you're like, oh, these flavors are only going to be in this German style where we have right. transitioned into like, let's get hops in here because yeah. we all like hops. So, what what brewery do you think skews closest to more traditional German? Mm. Occidental. Yeah, that was, I, I agree. Occidental, and then of course they just put out their Northwest Pilsner, which I I haven't chatted with them, and I don't mean to just assume, but I have a strong feeling that it is fairly similar to their fresh hop Pilsner they put out. Well, they just also with not they, fresh hops. It was a collab with a certain brewery in Southeast, which will remain nameless, so Patrick doesn't get drunk, but that likes to brew with hops. So I, yeah, I would assume there's a little bit of hop character in yeah, that beer. Yeah, but I mean, I would say I would say those are the guys. Yeah, I mean, like Heater Allen, Zoigel House, but I mean, they take Zoigl, liberties. Yeah. I mean, they but they still love their hops mm-hmm. too. Um, I, I mean, was going to say Zoigel to your to your answer, yeah. just from the beers that I've had. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't call them a lager brewery per se, but I mean, Frame still loves their hops, and they they take a lot of liberties with their lagers. You know, I think. You know, I think we're guilty of it as well on some stuff. No, I don't think you need to say guilty. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I love it. That's, that's yeah. the beer I love. Yeah, I mean, and a little, I, little I, bit hoppier than German. Yeah, I think that's that's what's interesting. I mean, that's the benefit of being in Oregon in the Pacific Northwest in general. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to do it for the podcast today. Tony, thanks so much for yeah, sitting in with us and, and having us out here. Um, you can find us, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, OmniRadio.com, 1080TheFan.com. Uh, Instagram.com slash Beers and Us is our Instagram page. We'll be posting more stories there as well as uh, regular old-fashioned pictures to promote the podcast. Uh, our personal pages, I'm at MikeLynch27 on Twitter. Patrick's at PDD0A5 on Instagram. Uh, OregonCraftBeer.org is uh, where you can find yep. the Brewers Guild yep. website. And at Oregon Craft Beer for social media. There you go. Uh, not sure what we're doing next week. I'm going to call the Ruse Boys. Well, I'm not sure. Okay, we could do on locations back-to-back. Uh, we were going to do Ruse Occidental also, as we mentioned. Oh, yeah. uh, was Those interested guys in having us out as well. well. Yeah. Uh, and um, again, I've teased it for like half a year now, but I know Dave Fleming wants to bring us to Oregon City. So. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to hang out with Dave. And go to multiple organs. You want to get drunk all day with Dave Fleming? I so I, I'm a fan <laughs> of the Oregon. I, I'm a fan of the, the little Oregon City Ale Trail they have yeah. going on down yeah. there. I, I like uh, yeah, was coin toss and Chatter Oak right across the street yep. from each other. Oregon City Brewing, and I mean, if back you're in, really rest gonna, in peace, I back in brewery, rest in peace. But if you guys really want to party, you know, get a DD and head out to Ben Shovel too. Yeah, I guarantee they've got a good IPA on draft out at their little temporary tap room. You know, go for it. Well, we would definitely need a DD. Um, my wife is out of town right now, but whenever we do the Oregon City. <laughs> one she will be our dd <laughs> perfect and um yeah that'll be coming up at some point i know we've teased it forever but uh yeah. it's just what we do <laughs> uh, also also a big thank to function here uh, yes. function pdx for hosting this uh we have not, not been it is right next to blue star on 23rd yeah not, o- not only for joining with oregon brewers guild and craft beer month but uh this has been a kind of a beer spot for a little bit now and yeah. wolves and people is coming back I think in the near future. Check out Function PDX. You cool. You'll be able to see the whole list. Great. Uh, so we'll see you guys next week. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Whoa. Traces.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 